Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It feels good, man. It feels good, right? right. Yo, yo, I'm in the light at the end of the tunnel. Welcome back to Small Market Bias, a podcast about the San Antonio Spurs. My name is Matthew Tynan, and joining me today is a man who had some very helpful or at least one very helpful Twitter pointer for Chet, for Chet Holmgren and how he might be able to grow taller. That is Trevor Zitgraf. Hello, Trevor. I'm nothing if not helpful. Well, explain to the people. Explain. You got you got to give more than that. What, what was your suggestion as to how Chet Holmgren might be able to add a couple of inches to his already sizable frame? See, now I have to go back and find the post, Matt. It's not a tweet. It's a post. Oh, my bad. My bad. Well, here, I can jog your memory. It had something to do with posture. And (laughs) I think that you might be right. Oh, right. I think maybe. Chet would be 7-3 with better posture. Yes, that's exactly right. Look, as someone someone who has struggled with posture my entire life, I thought you were talking about I did peanut peanut butter Chetty time, peanut butter Chetty time, (laughs) peanut butter Wemby time. Uh, which immediately was like, like the silence was deafening. Yeah. The silence was deafening. You know, I think, uh, I think Bruno and I did that purposefully. Um, yeah. But so I can see why that one would stick to you, but no, I was talking about the posture one. Also, yeah. he has a giant head and, and I'm, yeah. I can say that as someone who owns a large head myself, um, yeah. you know, we, we carry a large burden around, so I'm sure that doesn't help. But he's very like if you remember like Kevin McHale was very like he's like got the odd like like it almost looks like his shoulders are crunched up all the time right. and so like it and Chet is like not as not as big as McHale like like doesn't weigh as much not as heavy but he's got that same and it's just like so I don't actually know I think his I think his posture does suck but um I also don't know um, how much as, some, as someone who was told their posture sucked his entire life. Uh, I can spot it. Um, but like at a certain point, like how, like at what point do these guys just keep growing to, you know, to where we can't accurately judge how they should be growing right. like a right. normal person. It's just, it's crazy. It's crazy when you see guys that are seven feet tall who are actually like Vitruvian man. I mean, none of these guys are Vitruvian man. They're all longer than that. They're, they're unlike yeah. any of us, but it's still, it's hard to see how any of these people actually look normal on in an athletic field or on a court at that height. But that's, yeah. that's just kind of how it goes, but they're very good at basketball. So he, man, that was awesome to watch. Well, let, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Um, on today's show, we will be talking about the Chet Wemby stuff. Um, we will be talking about the, the game itself in general outside of just those two, because there were other good performances. Uh, we'll be looking ahead on the schedule because the preseason is going to be fairly entertaining for the Spurs. Oh, it, I mean, regular season doesn't start until October 25th, but there's still plenty to look forward to in between now and then. And then we'll get to, um, a couple of y'all's mailbags, but first, uh, Trevor, do you know who presents this podcast? You should know by now. Uh, it's a bet online. It is bet online. And did you also know that football is back? Because I, I was aware. <laughs> it is most definitely back. And bet online is your number one information source 
for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. And remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And I actually wanted to ask you something really quickly, Trevor. Uh, I actually think I shared this with you, but Bet Online has the over-under on games played for Victor Wembanyama this season mm-hmm. at 65 and a half. That is a really interesting... Okay, we all know Vegas is going to hit really close on this stuff. They're going to make you think. But that is a a tight number. And and even though he's not going to be affected necessarily... I mean, we don't think, at least. We don't don't think he's going to be affected by the 65-game award threshold. But I, I did find it interesting that that's the mark they put him at, right? Like, right at that 65 marker. I'm going to take, you know what? I'm going to take the over on that number. Interesting. Any any uh, reasoning, any specific reasoning behind that? He just doesn't strike me as a guy who, I think he's going to listen to the coaching staff and the training staff when they say like, no, no, you need to take tonight off. But like, I don't feel like they're going to be like, hey, we're in 12th place in the West and there's no chance of us getting up to 10th. You should take the next month off. He does not strike me as a guy who's going to be like, yeah, sure. I'll just take a month off. And so I, I would say 70 games feels like, I feel like that's in my head. 70. I feel like it's 70. And listen, and where does that put him at? That puts him right in line for defensive, all defense second team uh, in his rookie season. It does. Uh, and, and I don't think that's something that would be like, totally out of the realm of possibility. I'm I'm going to take the under just mm. because I, I I feel there's too much uncertainty. I feel the team is still going to there look it's it's one of these things where like say he sprains an ankle and under normal circumstances you're looking at like him sitting out or a normal player whatever sitting out 3 or 4 games. Whatever the severity, if it's not like a high ankle sprain, three or four week type of thing, let's just say a minor sprain, but I can see them stretching that three to four games out to like five or six, just, just to be so incredibly careful with his lower extremities. Um, On top of that, like he's going to get rest days here and there. And at the end of the season, I know you just brought this up, but I do think that there's there could be reason for them to just at least ease the the burden or the pressure if they're if they're well out of the playoff race or the play-in race or whatever and they don't want to push things like their goal at that point is going to be to get to the summer healthy right so i do think that they're going to try to eh, try to do that again this is assuming that they are out of the race <laughs> this is assuming that they perform, you know, to where Vegas and a whole lot of other people have them performing, myself included. Honestly, I, I'm I'm still skeptical. Uh, but as yeah, we, I, took the, I remember, I took the slide over when we did. Are they going to hit their over under? I took the slide yeah. over, but I felt like that that's still a low thirties team. You know, 
well, look, man, even as I'm sitting here pushing the brakes, uh, it's it, after Monday night, maybe you're right. And maybe I'm stupid. Maybe I'm the one who's being overly cautious here because, my God, did Victor Wembanyama look good against the Oklahoma City Thunder. I didn't know, I didn't know what to expect from him coming into a situation like that. I know it's preseason. Nobody's fully geared up or locked in defensively. Uh, we've seen what he's capable of doing against professionals uh, mm-hmm. in France. We saw the showcase against the uh, against the G League Ignite last year, whenever that was. Uh, God, what time of year was about that? A, about a year ago. It was February? About a year ago. Oh, it was about was a year ago. Is that long ago? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. So, like, we've we've seen this stuff before, but I still just – I still wanted to see what it looked like on this new team that was still trying to learn one another, and it was incredible. This yep. guy showed, as we've seen, as we've been told, as we've watched, that he can do everything on the court except he's elevated, like, mm-hmm. five inches taller than any of his <laughs> – any of the tallest opponents he's facing – and, yep, just incredible to watch. The the Wemby-Chet storyline was just, or, or I, I should say the, uh, the, the featured act, the Wemby-Chet featured act was truly a sight to behold. It was interesting because everyone made it, and why wouldn't you make this a Wemby versus Chet thing? And even coming out of it, it was a Wemby versus Chet thing because they both yeah. played so hard. They were both so, so competitive against each other, except – they like barely guarded each other. Like I don't remember seeing Victor being the primary guy on Chet at all. And you know, Chet, like obviously we saw the um uh the headbutt the headbutt layup, the headbutt and one. Uh um, which look, they didn't call it, so whatever. <laughs> like whatever. But um and then the scoop layup, I think that was actually Chet coming over to help. Like yep. we actually didn't see them match up all that much, but it was just it was just a lot of fun to see them both operate. Um I thought it was interesting that Wemby was like way more perimeter based. Like I, he looked to me, he looked like, you know, more of a three than a five out there. And Chet looked like a five. Like he was off ball for the most part. He was, you know, Zach Collins was on him uh, when, when Chet was in there and Zach Collins was in there, they were guarding each other. And um, it was just really interesting to see, like, these are two guys that have kind of been compared to each other for multiple years now. Um, And their games, I think have been, compared to each other uh, just as far as their ability to play inside out and everything, Mm -hmm. or I'm sorry, outside in. And um, their styles looked very different. You know, you, you brought up the, the idea that, or the fact that like they really didn't guard each other and they didn't. And I think part of that had to do with the fact that, like you said, Victor was spending a lot of time on the perimeter. Chet was being a rim protector, mm-hmm. um, we saw Jalen Williams. I think is the guy who probably guarded Wimbanyama uh, more yeah. than anyone. Jalen Williams, like six 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 seven. Jalen Williams. He's a sturdy dude, though. So um, he. It's not like I know that Wimbanyama attempted a few post ups, but he just he can't get a ton of leverage on yeah. some of these guys. But you don't. Look, we're going to see plenty of him in the in in the post. Like he does a lot of the leak out, get out and transition mm-hmm. and try the really quick post up and have guys lob the ball out in front. We're going to see a lot of that, but in terms of actually within within a set getting on the block, posting these guys up, 
we're we're going to see it, but I do wonder how much because you're right. There's there's such a comfort level on the perimeter, taking dribble handoffs, uh, pulling up into jumpers, and it's it, it, I still can't quite register when we're watching him and he's like going between the legs, crossing yeah. someone up, going behind the back to get around people, spin moves off of people. It it just doesn't it just doesn't compute. You mentioned the post-ups. I did enjoy, like, you're right, he did not post up all that much, and I don't know that he should, but it, I was encouraged, and they mentioned this on the Low Post, uh, Zach Lowe's podcast, um, that when he got those, like, if he got those switches or he was just down there, like, he wasn't shy about posting up. So at least it wasn't, right. like, he wasn't acting like it was plan B or plan C. Like, it was just something that he did, uh, and it wasn't, oh, you it can wasn't tell he doesn't. He you about. can tell he doesn't mind doing it. Like you yeah. can tell it's something that's in like he wants to or it's in his yeah. repertoire. But at the same time, he gets into those situations and he might think like, oof, this isn't the guy. Like maybe mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. isn't isn't the right situation for me at this moment. And he adjusts. But sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, no. That's all good. I, I was also curious to see. We saw a few, um, you know, catch and shoot threes or shooting off of screens and everything like that. I'm just really curious to see how much he does that this season because – his shooting numbers have never been great. Um, mm-hmm. At least his three-point shooting numbers, his free-throw numbers are fine. Uh, but, man, if, if he's coming off screens and just catching and shooting in stride, like, what do you do with that? Well, and it, it puts you – it puts defenses in such a stressed situation because then you have to think about, okay, well, if he's going to be coming off of screen – like, if the screen game is going to be part of his of his attack – and he could be taking handoffs. He could be setting screens. He mm-hmm. could be coming off screens. It doesn't matter. So it's like, who do we start out on this guy? Uh, who who do we start out with defending Wembanyama? Who do we start? Do we do we try to to pre switch? Do we try to get the guy we want on Wembanyama? Maybe guarding Zach Collins at first, right. uh, or perhaps one of the other wings, like. As much as, and I, I do believe this to be true, like the Spurs say that they still haven't figured out quite how to use him and that oh, a lot sure. of, and, and how could they? Um, and that a lot of that game was freelancing, just playing basketball, just mm-hmm. kind of having a structure, but just playing basketball. But on 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 the flip side, like I don't know how defenses are going to do this. And I think we're going to watch a pretty good stretch of basketball at least several weeks before maybe we start seeing sort of a more common or typical way for defenses to be approaching the Wembenyama situation. Because if he's knocking down his shots, if he's, if he's, you know, wreaking havoc defensively and leaking out in transition, uh, if he's exploiting mismatches, like the guy's going to be able to put the ball in the basket, just sheerly based on, size and length alone not to mention talent it's going to be a nightmare to defend this guy even in the early stages of his career and i mean um you know we saw it pretty early on in the game when he attacked baseline and then just like whipped the pass to zach collins who i'm pretty sure got fouled um and went to the line that's the other thing like if he's coming off these screens and people are selling out on him to prevent him from getting a comfortable jumper i already feel confident that he's gonna not try to you know, make, take a bad shot. I feel like he's just going to then just make the right read and make the right pass. 
yeah, we're, you know, we're we're going to see these situations where he gets himself into trouble. Maybe he mm-hmm. over dribbles or he tries to, you know, we see, we've seen it a couple of times, even going back to summer league where yep. he'll try to bust a spin move on someone gets not knocked off balance. You know, the ball, his handles are, are it's it's so funny to think to, to even say it like this, but like his handles are a little loose, which of course they are. Each one of his arms is like four feet long. Yeah, he's Mr. Um, Fantastic. I mean, I don't know how he's freaking Reed Richards out here doing uh, stretch stretch Armstrong shit. Like, it's just, um, yeah, like, actually, honestly, that's if I would say, like, that's my concern uh, about his offensive game. Sure. It's, just like, it's, it's when he's when he's going to need to figure out when he can attack into the middle of the floor and when he's going to need to just back it out and figure something else out. Yeah, there's not there's not too much he's going to be able to do about his height. <laughs> so no. the, while it's going to give him a ton of advantages, it's also going to create a few uh, disadvantages for him here and there. And granted, like his core is going to get stronger. His legs are going to get stronger. He's going to be able to, you know, put this a more solid base out there on the floor. So you'll see that like the spin moves will get tighter. His handles will get tighter. All that stuff. Yeah should improve but at again at the same time he's not getting any shorter at least not at least not for several decades so correct so so that's going to be an issue that uh that he's gonna have to deal with for a while and 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 i just want to go back to holmgren and him for a second the the rivalry that you can already see sort of brewing between those two like there is a respect for one another, but mm-hmm. it doesn't appear that they are, you know, uh, we in today's NBA, and I know a lot of old heads complain about this stuff a lot. I don't necessarily care that much. I just do love the super competitive sort of um, tense matchups between certain right. players that don't appear to like one another. I think everyone can say that they enjoy that stuff. It just makes the game better. It raises the stakes. It creates more drama and they don't, there seems to be a mutual respect, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of love loss between the two, whether it's, it's Victor flexing after the, after running through Wemby yep. with a headbutt, it's, <laughs> it's Victor knocking Chet to the ground. It's, it's by the way, it's Chet flexing back after he went yep. at Collins a few plays later. It's um, it's, it's Wembenyama knocking Chet Holmgren down to prevent an and one knocking him to the floor and just standing there and not offering him a hand to help him up. Um, and then, of, co- of course, it's Chet Holmgren at the end of the night with the with the quote tweet of the evening. Uh, if, if this – I haven't listened to the the, the no, no dunks uh, guys this week, but there's a very good chance that that was tweet of the night on Monday night. Has for that to be. Show, oh, it had to be. <laughs> for that show Tuesday morning because, um, yes, Chet Holmgren – Flipping, I think it was this ESPN uh, replay of, of of Victor flexing on him and quote tweeting it with something like, "Yeah, the uh, that headbutt move is unstoppable for sure," <laughs> which, <laughs> which which he then followed up with several emojis to sort of laugh it off when it didn't seem like he was super laughing it off at first. But man, that is the stuff. That's the stuff I love. I know it's the stuff you love, and I know it's the stuff that so many of us do love. I think the difference between those two guys and other rivalries that always end up being friendlier than we think they're, they are is like 
the only other time those guys played each other, it was mm-hmm. in international competition in the finals at like the height of, you know, what an intense game would be for the guys at their age. And yeah, so, U19, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And so to me, it was just interesting that like, um, you know, these guys don't know each other. Like that is the only way they know each other. So it's not like they saw each other on the AAU circuit all the time. Right. Had any had any downtime, didn't play on the same AAU team. So um, that to me, that is exciting. They remind me a little bit, Matt, of um, like, I feel like, uh, and this is, um, this is hyperbolic to be sure, but like, it's almost like Dirk and Duncan where they weren't always matched up against each other. Right. Um, but they were always, you know, Dirk versus Duncan was always like, you know, you're always going to compare the two of them, how they played. That was, each that other. was on the marquee. It was Dirk and yep. it was Duncan, but they really, yep. yeah, you're right. They didn't, they didn't spend a ton of time guarding. Not one too another. much. Right. Like Bruce yeah. Bowen probably spent as much time or even more time guarding. Well, Dirk he spent a lot Timmy of time did. on Dirk, especially in right. the postseason. Right. So um, that's kind of what it reminded me of. I mean, if, if either of them can get to Dirk or Duncan levels, that's, that's fantastic. But um, that's what it reminded me of. Hey, I wanted to ask you, I'm, I'm pulling up. Because uh, after this, you know, a lot of people were like, what's um, is Chet now like a rookie of the year contender, which I feel like. Oh, yeah. I feel like Chet was a rookie of the year contender before that. People just had to remember that he was technically a rookie. Uh, so yeah. I have bet on lines. Uh, rookie Let's of the go. year numbers in front of me. So Victor is plus 115, which makes sense. Uh, Scoot is plus 250. Mm-hmm. And then Chet's plus 275. Does that sound right to you? I think that probably sounds right. I, in my own mind, I feel like because of the potential for team success with Oklahoma city that Chet might have the edge, but it's tough because Scoot's going to have a lot of opportunity. I was wondering with Chet, if it's just, there's just going to be lack of opportunity because he's maybe, you know, he's going to be the fourth option probably on any given night for that team. You know, we'll, we'll see. Right. It's like, I was thinking about this the other night because, sure, you look at that whole situation, you're like, clearly Shea Gilgis, uh, Gilgis Alexander's is number one yep. with a bullet, like, clearly. Yep. Um, Josh Giddy is a guy who you want to have the ball in that guy's hands. He's just such a good passer, uh, just such a smart player. You want the ball in his hands. Jalen Williams came into the league already an older player. I think he came yep. in at 21. Yeah. So and and showed out like he was great for them last year. So you kind of you you go down the line there and you think to yourself, well, these guys have already sort of proven themselves. And you can sort of say the same thing with the Spurs. Like we've even had the conversation like uh, where is Wembenyama going to fit in the hierarchy like what? 3 because of you know Devin Vassell is going to get his shots, Keldon Johnson's going to get his shots, all of this stuff. But as I'm watching those two guys the other night and the fact that they're, they're not just spotting up. They're not just posting up, like mm-hmm. relying on other people to get them the ball. Those guys were dribbling the ball up the floor on a number of different occasions, yep. both of them. And, and on top of that, they're just so much longer and taller yep. than anyone. They can get their shots off easier than, than anyone else on the court because of that. Yep. And they have the skill to justify that approach if they want to take it. Like if Wembenyama wants to pull up into a, into a transition three and and he's hot, like by all means, because no matter who's guarding him, he's not going to see them. Right. Maybe, (laughs) maybe, maybe Chet will be, could put a hand in the guy's face, but largely 
these guys aren't going to be contested from wherever they're shooting on the floor. So I, I don't know the answer to that because I, my inclination is to agree with you in the sense that like these guys aren't going to be the number one options on, on their teams. But when I saw them play the other night, I was, I was thinking to myself, like it is entirely possible that every once, every few games, they are absolutely going to be the guys who take the most shots for their respective teams every night, especially if they're on. As we were talking, I was thinking like, it might not matter how much, like how much the offense flows through Chet because he may just with all their ball handlers and and all the open looks he probably will just get like he could average he's gonna, like and he's gonna fire man he's gonna he fire. could average like 15 eight and two blocks on like 70 percent field goal shooting just because of all the looks the easy looks he's gonna get yeah. so even if he only shoots six times a game it's not gonna matter because yeah he's just gonna be so efficient well and and we saw the same stuff with you know and, and i've talked about this before with Wembenyama. like i think he's gonna fight like, just straight up fall into mm-hmm. six points a night whether it's offensive rebounds or like I was mentioning earlier, the, the, the hit ahead pass and transition, whatever it might be, like he's going to be in that six to eight points a night range based just, just on completely simple. Nobody's in front of him, easy type of baskets. And I think that that might be the case in a lot of ways for, for Chet too. He's not, he's not quite as, tall and long as Wembenyama, but he's seven. He's every bit is yeah, a, a seven, one, seven, two. That guy's really big. I mean, we saw him, uh, go up and catch that lob over Zach Collins, who mm-hmm. was kind of like right in his kitchen. He didn't, yeah. he didn't see him jumping for it. So, so Collins wasn't exactly positioned very well, but he was still right up in mm-hmm. Chet's grill and he just threw it down right over the top of him uh, with that lob. So these guys are just going to be able to score in ways that are <laughs> that uh, that we have previously never really seen before. And I think if we go back a few years, they're gonna they're gonna play in ways that we didn't even consider that yeah. guys that size could play. Like I know that there are sort of historical precedents for some of the stuff that they can do but not all of it not not this just totally wide ranging this this array of skills we just we haven't seen it before so right. it, it's just it's going to be it's going to be fun we, we've already talked about like the spurs adjusting to the way Wemby plays and the thunder adjusting to the way chet plays and then how also the defenses are gonna have to adjust to the way these guys play yeah. The reason they're going to have to adjust is they're like they're just like us right now. They haven't seen it either. Nobody has seen, nobody's seen this before. And that's that's part of what makes this entire Wembenyama, especially this early Wembenyama experience so much fun is that it's so new. Like we just we haven't seen this sort of animal on the court before, right? Yeah, I'll be interested to see how I mean how much he plays the rest of the preseason, but just how how he looks um, cause I did feel like the offense was really kind of going through him for lack of a, like they were, I guess they were making a point to get him involved. And yeah. so if they're going to be doing that all season, then like, I actually think he is going to be the, maybe not the first option on the team, but he's gonna be like the second option. He's gonna be, or he's gonna be like the second leading scorer on the team, just because it seems like they're very committed. Like he's not just going to be, uh, a feature in the offense 
he's going to be featured in the offense. And I think there was some question as to whether or not how much they were going to, how much offense they were going to build around him early on. Like, were they going to ease him into his NBA role or, but I think he might just force the issue. Well, let's talk about the other guys. Um, Cause yeah, this, there, there may have been an element to, you know, the Wemby night, the Chet night, the Chemby night, the, the wet B night, whatever you want to call it. Chemby, um, I like Chemby. Chemby, okay. Yeah, there, there, there may have been that element to it, but they, they did sort of just take control in a lot yep. of ways. But it wasn't, it wasn't like they were forcing anything, right? Yeah. Um. So it, it just, it looked good, but, and and at the same time, or it, I should say, it looked good for a half. And then things kind of went a little bit sideways, and you could tell that this is a team that's still trying to figure itself out. And I know that you had a couple of guys that stuck out to you, that a couple of non-Victor Wembenyama guys that stuck yeah. out to you. So who did you who did you want to start with in that capacity? Well, so I told you I had a surprising one and an unsurprising one. I'll start with unsurprising. That was Malachi Branham, like mm-hmm. just continuing his efficient mid-range offense, like just. Yeah. Just I, I didn't even realize I can't remember was he eight of twelve, eight of ten? He only missed like two or three shots. Like I'm looking like at, I'm looking at it right now. Uh Malachi Branham was six of eight. Six of eight. Okay. Fifteen points, and one assist, one rebound, one steal, one block. Just just came in immediately and just like started cooking. And yeah. was just was just really impressive and like just good to see that like all the stuff he was doing in over the summer and in spurts last year. It just seems like that that's going to be no problem for him. I think obviously you want to see a little bit more playmaking from him, a little bit more of the other stuff. But right now, if he just comes in, he's like the seventh or eighth man, and it's just like just just cooking. Then that's totally fine. Um, but just really encouraged at the efficiency that, that he played with. But then um, the other one that might be a little surprising, just because I hold on, hold on, I want to talk. I want to talk about Branham just for a second because the, the the thing about him is he just makes it, and and he was. I think this was what was most impressive about him during his rookie year as a 19 year old is just how easy he makes everything look and how, how his approach to the game just seems so professional for such a young guy. Like he knows Mm -hmm. his strengths. He knows his spots, his, his mechanics are like, are exactly the same every single time Uh, there. He's just so fundamentally sound that when you watched him play last year, it was like, he already looks like he knows exactly what he's doing, yeah. but he's only going to grow exponentially from here. Play, and plays a little bit bigger than he is too. Like I was actually does. surprised that, that he's like six, five. He seems bigger than that. He's he's six, five. He doesn't seem, uh, you know, he doesn't seem like he's very big, strong right. dude, but he is strong. He's long. Yeah. Um, he's not super athletic, but he does have this quick little pop off mm-hmm. the floor in tight spaces He's he's a he's a lot more than what meets the eye. Like everything about him, there's just more to him than meets the eye. And he's understated. He's relatively quiet. We haven't. We'll see if the three pointer is actually uh, online moving forward. He kind of had issues with it last year, despite being a forty plus percent shooter at Ohio State. Um, I think part of that is as I as I told you, his mechanics are exactly the same every time and it's like he was locked into that three-point line at the college level yeah. but once he got to the pros and he had to take a couple of steps back 
it just made the difference. Like, I don't know how many times he front rimmed that three pointer last year during the season, but anyway, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what he looks like moving forward. I'm, I'm with you. I kind of figured you would go the Malachi route because it, it was obvious the dude was just, he's just, he's as, you know, Blake Wesley said the other day at practice, like, that's just Malachi, man. he, He doesn't miss like, I'm not surprised by this at all. The, that guy does it every single day, so yeah, that one's that one's not too surprising. But uh, yeah, put the uh, put the somewhat surprising one on me as you. As I, you and I say this it. because I am a hard hardcore skeptic of this player, but man, Blake Wesley just looked like an NBA rotation player out there. Like I thought, summer league, he was just like a mess, like just trying to yeah. do too much, trying to couldn't decide if he wanted to get his own or get others involved like from play to play and he was just like sped up and uh, all the bad things, all the bad yeah. things. Um, he and- didn't, he didn't look like he had like he had, and I know it's just, you know, regular season to pre uh, uh, to summer league. There's not a ton of official practice. There isn't any no. really official practice time. It's a lot of open gym stuff, but like, you're right. He kind of, and he just kind of looked like the same guy that we had seen during the season. Yep. And so for him to come out, and he he nothing looked super sped up um in addition to his defensive activity which we're used to he just looked like he knew where to be on defense as well um which is great and i think that's um that's probably as much just having a year under your belt of being told where to be on defense and sure watching film and everything but yeah like i just thought like he knew when to get guys the ball and where to get guys the ball and his mid-range shot was looking okay like maybe he made a three or maybe i'm thinking of somebody else i can't remember but um, he had the he had the one three he had the one three where he um <laughs> he had the one three where he shot it like a half second too late he was open in the corner they passed it, it to him really late and he shot it like a fraction of a second after that's the uh yeah after the shot oh no but he did have that one step back three but he, he could have had two three pointers but he had the one step back Just like really encouraging because I didn't feel like even if there are still things to work on, I wasn't like, God, either like he's not like he's just doing nothing out there. And it Mm -hmm. certainly didn't feel like he was taking anything off the table out there. So just, you know, it's one game, uh, but it was super encouraging to see because he got early minutes, too. It wasn't like, you know, wasn't like it was just third quarter, fourth quarter cleanup time. And we'll actually get to that in a second because there's a mailbag question that has a has asks a little asks around that question a little bit. So we'll we'll put a pin in that one. But yeah, he he looked in control. He looked like things were moving more slowly for him. And I yeah. asked him about it the other day, and he said, "Oh yeah, I just kept hearing from all." He brought it up. He said, "I just keep hearing from everybody that I needed to slow down." uh all last year so yeah you know i'm really trying to slow down i feel like i have i feel like i'm in better control um you know i thought that there were a couple of plays that that seemed emblematic of that one of them uh doug mcdermott came over faked the screen kind of went into a a rub Mm -hmm. a ghost screen uh and blake kind of rubbed off that ghost screen split two defenders who were a little bit they were kind of stuck in between because because McDermott ghosted the screen Wesley splits that duo gets into the paint stops doesn't go flailing up toward the basket amongst the trees where he really gets in trouble stops sees his man in the corner I forget who it was um 
I, it doesn't matter. I want to say it was either uh, Devontae Graham or Julian Champagny, but it doesn't matter. But he stops middle of the paint, just quick over the top pass yeah. to the corner, knockdown shot. Another play, he comes out of the pick and roll. He snakes the pick and roll, gets back to the middle, kind of sidesteps into a, a pull-up jumper and just drops it down. And the thing that I noticed most was he was on balance. His mm -hmm. feet weren't freaking kicking out in different directions or like his, his belly button wasn't facing one way while he was shooting the other way. Like he just, he looked like he had a controlled up and down jump shot. And you started seeing some of the stuff that was like, this is it's, it's those little things that made him so intriguing coming out of Notre, Notre Dame. Almost even though like... we knew, even though we knew like he was raw as hell and he still yeah. is raw, he's still got a ways to go, but early evidence suggests, uh, it, th there were definite changes. Like he absolutely looked different beyond the fact that he's put on 10 pounds. He's stronger, which is going to help him in a lot of ways too. So definitely felt the way he was playing, the way he was playing the middle of the court. Like yep. they basically just handed him a bunch of Chris Paul and DeMar DeRozan tape. And they were like, just please watch this all summer long and like just look how control look how in control they are and like right. it's they never nothing ever feels sped up and it was almost like they were just like watch that i felt like 90 percent of the time last season whenever blake was on the court his head was like two feet out in front of his feet yeah. like he, he was just completely on the go straight line get that first step get to the mm -hmm. basket just you know bad out of hell type of stuff. And he didn't look like that. He didn't look like that on Monday. So he's certainly another guy to watch moving forward. Um, uh, one more and we'll go to break. I'll just bring up a guy that I feel absolutely needs to be uh, recognized from his game for his game on Monday. But Charles Bassey was awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He looked healthy. He was gobbling up every single rebound. He looked disciplined. There were a couple of times where, uh, either a guy caught it off a cut before going up for a layup or, or someone came on a straight line drive where it felt like every time last season we saw Bassey jumping, like he was going to bite on the pump fake yep. and he didn't. And he stayed grounded. He reacted instead of, you know, preemptively jumping. Um, he, he made a, a few questionable passes, but we've kind of seen that from him, from him before. Like he sees the play, but can't quite make it. But yeah. you kind of appreciate the fact that he's trying. The willingness, yeah. Yep, the willingness. Um, he had, and we—he's uh, another guy we spoke to the other day. You know, he has—he. This is his first training camp with the team. He came in after training camp last year, so he's had a chance to. He doesn't look lost anymore. He—he yeah. he looks like he understands his role. And look, dude, if he—if he just plays the way he did the other night, he had six points with a couple of dunks. 12 rebounds, a couple of blocks, an assist, a steal, just, you know, a, a pretty a solid backup center stat line. That dude is currently on a four-year, $10 million deal, the it's majority nice. of which is guaranteed. If he plays just the way he did against Oklahoma City the other night, just consistently that way, you know, it'll, yeah. it'll, maybe a little better. Like, he'll outplay the entirety of that contract in, in its first season. So if... We'll we'll see where it goes. It's obviously there's he's obviously got a lot to improve uh, to prove, but he's healthy. 
He looks athletic and bouncy. The knee doesn't seem to be an issue at all. Um, and then we're just only going to see him add to his skill set. We're going to see the discipline levels grow. So I just I felt like he was a guy who really, really stood out the other night. Yep. And if in the Spurs right now, uh, you know, Collins had 15, five and five in 20 minutes or something like that. So they're they just look really strong at the center position. And it's just hilarious that between those two, the the Spurs are paying their center position less than ten million dollars a year. So I think Bassey's training camp is and early seasons like really maybe the it's not the most critical because he's the backup center, but I just think like Zach was healthy last season. Most critical for uh, him, for him. Oh yeah, and so Zach was Zach Collins was healthy for the majority of last season and and yeah. stayed healthy once he got the starting role. Uh, after Jakob was traded, um, was healthy, but you know, like it is, he is a guy with a history of of injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like if he were to go down for an extended amount of time, and then it's just like Bassey, maybe Kim Birch sticks around. It, I, maybe Mamu's playing some five, but like you just don't like. Gorgi Tang's already in the building, man. He's hanging out. He's, he's in the sauna. He's in the locker right. room. So if any of those guys go down, you. <laughs> Spurs he just, are just going to call him. Yep. So oh, it'll gonna... be over like the PA. It'll be like, you know, <laughs> Gorgie Jang, please, please report to the locker room. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But yeah, like, I just feel like the the more comfortable they feel with Bassey, the less um, they're going to feel a need to put Wembenyama in like an uncomfortable position of playing sure. five more than, more than they need to, more than like at the end of games, which is like when I think we all envision that's when we see that lineup where everybody kind of shifts up a little bit. Um, so yeah, I, you're right. I, I, he was, he didn't get a ton of minutes um, relatively speaking, but when he was in there, he looked good. He looked active and again, didn't take anything off the table. Trevor, that was good stuff. Let's take a, let's take a quick break and come back with a, uh, three or four mailbag questions. Sound good. I am ready. Let's do it. All right, welcome back. It is now mailbag time, and I appreciate you all for for reaching out and sending or submitting a few questions. You can always find me with questions um, at my Substack chat. By the way, that's matthewtynan.substack.com. You can find me at Small Market Biased with ed biased Small Market Biased at gmail.com. There are a number, hell, you can even find me on Twitter. There are a number of ways to submit mailbag questions. And, you know, we can usually make room for some every week if y'all want to get some in, you know, without being prompted. Totally up to you. But regardless, appreciate y'all kind of last second coming through today. Um, But Trevor, the first question is from John Lugo. John says, we finally have proof that Kem Birch, the spur, exists. (laughs) Dude. Do we think he has any chance? And by the way, he didn't play, but he was at the end of the bench. Kem Birch was with the Spurs in Oklahoma City. So, yes, we have proof that we have visual proof that he exists as a San Antonio Spur. Mm-hmm. Um, do we think he has any chance of making it to opening night? If so, whose spot is at risk? Trevor, I'm going to go to you on that one. So, I was surprised when. Uh, a few days ago during press availability, Pop talked about how 
active, uh, Bassey and, and Birch more specifically had been in training camp so far. And he, he seemed pleased with both of how they both looked. And I was like, and they, they were both healthy. Um, I guess Ken Birch was more injured last year than I, I think that he wasn't just like a healthy scratch. Like it wasn't just like, it seemed like, no, he, yeah, he was, was hurt. Was he was injury. hurt last year. Yeah. yeah. So, which I don't think was made totally clear uh, because he was, he was just kind of out of sight, out of mind um, with that trade. And I think we all just assumed he was, he was the cap we, filler. You know, We reported that he had a knee thing and he, and I, I don't know, I'm not even going to try to, it's a very long name. I can't even remember the name of yeah. the condition, the, the injury off the top of my head. But he, he had it. He was dealing with it in Toronto. And then when he got to San Antonio, like it was clearly a problem. And they essentially they essentially just shut him down. But yeah. um, anyway, go ahead. Sorry. So, um, you know, I, I think I just assumed he was going to be one of the three that gets cut. And he probably still will be. But um, yeah, I mean, maybe he hangs around a little bit more if he looks good. Like we'll see. They got uh, some version of the Miami Heat coming up uh, tomorrow night, right? Friday yeah. night. And then some version, uh, ha- like half the team is out. Yeah, the Heat put out like their top like eight guys are sitting out, which includes yeah. Josh Richardson, by the way. Shout out Josh Richardson. Yeah. Um, but um, so I guess there's like, I don't know, what would you put them at? Like a twenty five percent chance he he stays? Like no, I way less than that. Yeah. Okay. Like, I'm, so, I'm never I'm never gonna rule it out completely. I just. Like, look at the situation. Like, we still haven't seen him. He's healthy. Yeah. He's been practicing. We still we didn't see him in the scrimmage. We haven't we didn't see him opening. You know, preseason opener against Oklahoma City. We saw plenty of guys get out there in front of him. It just doesn't really add up to me to a situation Mamu, where Mamu was the only guy that I could think like if Birch stays, it's Mom. But I don't think yeah. I really believe that. I'm just coming. That's like the only name that comes to mind. No, yeah, like, I mean, he asks, like, whose position, whose spot would be at risk? And, like, if you had to throw a name out there, it would be one of these guys probably on an expiring. Um, uh, At worst, you would see, like, we'll get to a little more Devontae Graham in a a question in a second, but, like, maybe him. But, you know, maybe, like, yeah, it could could be sort of the logjam at forward that's broken up. But I just think that the chances are are so low that it's anyone other than him at this point. But again, right. I'm not going to officially rule it out. But it just the writing is on the wall, um, and I think one of the the reasons. Well, I I imagine that we'll see him at some point here during the preseason. I, I do imagine we'll get some glimpses of him because yeah. if anything just for other teams to be able to see that he's healthy, you know, for him to be able to show other teams that he's healthy uh, to, you know, for the Spurs, just to, just to get him in front of the eyes of other people, because Kim Birch, when he's healthy is a useful basketball player. And, and which I'm sure I think of Cleveland who just lost Jared Allen for, I can't remember how long. Um, Oh yeah. Tristan Thompson. Yeah. Tristan Thompson is their starting center. Like, (laughs) so they could use a they could use a bouncy defensive yeah. um defensive minded you know forward center i mean they play the double big lineup anyway so he could probably play either yeah. position um but yeah i mean like he's a useful player which might beg the question from a lot of spurs fans well okay you know why isn't why wouldn't they keep him then well 
where's he going to play? I mean, like how, who is he going to play over at this point? I, I just don't, I just don't think we've talked a bunch about how deep this roster is like not deep necessarily from like this massive talent standpoint, but just a bunch of guys that can play like a bunch of pros on this team. So it's just, he just feels like the odd man out at this point. I haven't seen or heard um, evidence to the contrary. So, yeah, I just I just think that I would be very surprised if it was anyone other than Kim Birch. So, yeah. All right. Next question. This is and this is a good one, too. Uh, This is from Colin Reed. Do you think that Blake Wesley getting Blake Wesley getting time in the main rotation during the game against OKC signals that he will be in the main rotation in the regular season? And does Graham's lack of time with the main rotation mean he may start the season out of it? I, that was one observation or, or one uh, development that I did think was interesting the other night. Devontae didn't really play until it was garbage time. The rest of the backup point guard minutes went to Blake Wesley. I There could be a number of reasons for that, right? Like the Spurs who haven't, um, who haven't signed or extended, I guess it would be the right verbiage here, but they haven't, op- or, I'm sorry, optioned, uh, Blake's third year yet so mm-hmm. so they haven't done that quite yet they might want to get him out there I don't think he's in danger of that you know of them not extending him beyond his second season at this point but yeah. um but yeah I think there's that's one reason they might just want to get him out there see the way he's improved and developed all that stuff even though I'm sure they've seen it in practice so that could be one thing another thing is uh they might just be like they know what they have in Devonte Graham and they might just want to be making sure he's good honestly <laughs> Devonte Graham and his play style it doesn't matter who he's playing with right like he can slot in a point guard shooting guard he can run up and down with anyone on that team it doesn't matter because you know what he's going to do he's he is a dude who's going to look for his shot and that's his role and the Spurs are just fine with that so yeah. there's not a whole lot you need to see from Devonte Graham or number three, the Spurs. And, and this is not imp- like implausible. The Spurs really want Blake Wesley to be their backup point guard. They, they drafted him last year. They believe in him. They were very high on him coming out of the draft. I can't imagine that's changed uh, all that much in a year, considering they knew he was raw. They knew it would take time and he got hurt. And he got hurt. Like there are a lot of different reasons here where it's not like the Spurs don't just give up on people quickly. So um, yeah, it could be any number of those things like they, that they legitimately want Blake to be their backup point guard and Devonte can fill in, you know, wherever. And beyond that, like there's a, a good chance that Devonte Graham is going to be on the trade block yeah. in February. Right. So they're, they're, they're going to prioritize their future. And fortunately for them, Devontae Graham, like I said, is a guy you can slot in wherever, whenever, it doesn't matter. So I would lean actually toward the latter that I, I just think that the Spurs want Blake to play. And I think they are giving him a, a chance to prove that he can be that backup point guard. That's my take on it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's both you uh second possibility and third possibility i think they know that they know what Devonte graham is they know they like that he's ready to go whenever they tell him to be ready to go 
I think he's. I think he is going to get minutes during the regular season. I don't know if it's going to be 15 minutes or 25 minutes. I probably right. would lean closer to 15, but like, right. um, you know, I just think like he the, his minutes are there, and I think you're right. I think they want to give Blake Wesley every chance they can to be the backup point guard, and what a better time to see how close to ready he is for backup point guard minutes than than the preseason. You know, like just throw him in, see what happens, and you know you know what your plan B is if it doesn't work out. And not just preseason, but like there are some guys, you know, some high usage. Well, I, I mean, Jeremy's not some super high usage guy, but like mm. you're, you're Jeremy Sohan has been out and Keldon Johnson has been out and we'll get to those, those two guys here in a second, actually. But like, you know, when you don't have guys in the rotation, in the lineup, like that just gives him a little bit more of a chance to to prove himself. So yeah, it's hundred percent. This is the time to do it. This is the time to do it. Throw him out there, see what he's looking like. So far, man, uh, major passing grade through one game. I'll, I'll I'll say that. All right, third one's a quick one, and I'll just answer this real quick. Uh, Darvin Koenig, I believe that's how you pronounce your name. Sorry if I've gotten that wrong or butchered that, uh, but. Darvin asks, what do you think is going on with Sohan's and Keldon or Sohan and Keldon being designated as general general soreness and not participating in the scrimmage in first preseason in the scrimmage or first preseason game? They're fine, man. Uh training camp is is tough. I talked to I talked to well, I talked to Jeremy the other night specifically. Uh he said they're all good. Talked to the team. They said they're they're fine training camp is is like two a days like when they the first day they were in there uh, which was last tuesday that was they they started alternating two two on tuesday one on wednesday two one two and then the scrimmage and then they headed to oklahoma city and then by the way they were in the building first thing the next morning like uh, they couldn't have gotten back to san antonio before midnight or something and they were back watching film and getting a light workout in by like nine or 10 the next morning. So quick turnaround. They, uh, and they practiced ever since they have not had an off day since, uh, since I guess their travel day to Oklahoma city, like mm-hmm. literally that's it. So these guys, when, it, when they get to this, if during this time of the year, dudes are sore and the Spurs go harder in training camp than most teams because they're so young. Like typically speaking, the younger teams are going to go harder than the older teams. Cause look around the league, look at the number of guys who just flatly aren't playing because they're a little bit sore or they just need to get some rest, stuff like that. Like it's, it's total commonplace for, for guys, especially uh, vets. And I know that Jeremy certainly isn't one. Keldon is approaching, you know, young vet territory if he isn't already there, but like it's totally normal for these these guys to get nights off here and there. I would bet that Devin and Wembenyama, uh, you know, guys who are playing the Trey, like guys who are playing Zach, guys who are playing the bigger minutes during the preseason are probably, probably going to get a game at least in, in here in the next, you know, uh, four games remaining in the preseason. So yeah, it's not really a big deal. Yeah. I was going to say they also had um, camps. Like their offseason camps were, yeah. I, I, I remember seeing Zach Collins, I think maybe on uh, the road tripping podcast, I think is what he was on, just saying that like that they had. I saw Zach everywhere, man. I, yeah. don't, rem- <laughs> I don't remember I don't which, which one, one it was but he said. I that, remember, but... He said like they had like, 
more off-season camps than normal, and like literally almost everyone was in the building for those, except for Reggie yeah. Bullock. Um, and so, uh, so just to add to like, in addition to just going hard in training camp, it was a very active summer for all of these guys. So, yeah, I think you're right. I, if if Devin, I think Sohan said in his press availability today that he would be back Friday against the Heat. Um, and that, we're still waiting on Kelvin, but yeah, I think yeah. you're right. These guys are just yeah. going to miss preseason games. And that tracks. I was not at today's practice. I was finishing up writing, but it's everything that was reported out of there today is kind of what they were telling us a couple of days ago. Um, yep. Their PR folks were like, you know, Jeremy's Jeremy, ever since getting back from Oklahoma City, he's been pretty much a full go. And Keldon has been kind of easing his way back in. But yeah, just nothing to be concerned by at this point. So. All right, we're going to finish this off with a question, a little bit more of an involved question, even though we kind of just went long on that last question, but but um, this, is, <laughs> this one's a little bit a little bit more involved. It's from Mark Tremaine. Do the Spurs have a... And, and I'm going to kick it to you first on this one, Trevor, Trevor, because I know you found this one interesting. Uh, do the Spurs have a strong incentive to soft tank? The win projection is 28 and a half, and so many prognosticators are taking the under... I'm biased, but that seems unlikely to me. Heck, couldn't last year's team have won 25 or 26 if they weren't looking for ways to, if they weren't looking for ways to lose? <laughs> I see 30 plus. I see 30 plus wins. Is that just optimism? No, it's not just optimism. But um, I just don't think like I. I mean, I guess I just. I guess it depends on what your definition of soft tank is. I said yeah. earlier, like, I think Wimby's going to miss some games. I don't think it's going to be more than a dozen. Um, I guess, here, let me ask you this, Matt. Would you be surprised, assuming general health, like general good health by him, would you be surprised if he plays less than 60 games? Yes. Yeah, I would yeah. be. So I, I've, I know I said earlier that, like, that, that, I, I'm picking the under on 65, but yeah. like I want to go back to this this season, and I don't want to stray too far from this this topic that we just are on. But like, mm -hmm. um, I look back at Keldon Johnson's season last year. He played a lot. Like, yeah, he had some nights where he sat with with you know bumps and bruises. But like, all things considered, and relative to the rest of the team, it felt like he played a lot. And I'm pretty sure he finished the season having played only 64 games. 63. 63. Okay. So which, which surprised me, but I guess my point here is that like, uh, it, I, I, I think that it takes a lot to, uh, miss 22 plus games. It's a lot. If is, if, especially if he's healthy, especially considering there are going to be a lot of national television, nationally televised games that the league is going to want them out there for the Spurs want him to play. He wants to play, so yeah, I would be I would be surprised if he hit the sixty. I know that that doesn't sound like it's that far off from the sixty-five that all that I'm kind of predicting he's gonna right. hover just under. Um, but it, that even that is a really tough call. So going four to five more games beyond that, yeah, it would surprise me. So all that is to say is like. I don't even know that they have to try to lose to lose because the rest of the West, like them in Portland are like, I think the only two teams that aren't like actively trying to make the play in slash playoffs. Yep. yep. Maybe Utah, maybe Utah. I don't know. But like 
even when you look at Utah and Portland, like they've got enough vets that, that like they're not going to like try to suck or they're not going to, you know, you know what I mean? Like, so it's going to be really hard with the West. And then I think even in the East, there's a lot of, um, you know, good, good. If maybe there are not too many great teams in the East this year, but there's a lot of good teams. There's a lot of like, you know, there's depth on in both conferences. So like, and the East got uh, better. The East got better in the final, you know, months of the, yeah. in the, the, the Celtics got better. The Bucks got better. Like the Knicks, the Knicks stayed the same. The Sixers are still good. You know, even if they, even if they trade hard, they're still good. Like they're not. Yeah. Bad. We'll, we'll see with them. Um, so, but, but your point is like, and it goes back to what, you know, what Mark was throwing out there. Like, is it optimistic to say that this team is going to get better and, like the obvious path of like the Spurs are going to be better this year. Therefore they're going to win more games. And if they hadn't thrown in the towel last year, and I do agree with this, by the way, that they probably could have gotten to like 26, 27 wins last year. I just sure. think that that's, that is a fair assessment. So if you follow that logic, then surely they can get over 30 this year. The problem is the West is a bloodbath. Like the mm-hmm. West is brutal. So, like, we're going to see Western Conference teams across the board, especially, like, you can you can look at teams that improved and may have worse records or whose records may not really improve at all just because every single night it's going to be a rock fight unless you're playing Portland. And even Portland or, you know, if, and I guess people would say potentially even San Antonio, but... Like even a team like Portland has dudes who can put the ball in the basket and who can get hot on any given night. The Spurs are going to have the same thing. Like we we saw, you know, when Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson were healthy last year, like they did damage to people. We we saw uh, Zach Collins's impact once he was inserted into the starting lineup and the way yeah. he spaced the floor. And now and now add Victor Wimbanyama to this. Like this team is clearly going to be better this year, yeah. but. It's just about the competition around the Western Conference specifically and how they're going to be able to to match up with that. So yeah. like uh, there, there's a world where they could. They won 22 games last year. They could win 30 to 32 games this year. So that's 8 to 10 wins, which is sure. a pretty big increase a for big any jump. team. Yeah. And still finish 14th or 15th in the West. Like, yeah. I could see all of those things happening. Yeah. No, and I don't. You know, to go back to his soft tank question, um, and I hate to even invoke that word again because I know nobody wants to hear it. I don't get the impression that they have any interest in, look, last year flatly after they got off to a hot start, they started pulling the rug. Every little, every little injury, every little thing, you know, they were keeping guys out. They were resting mm-hmm. guys after they had just had, you know, had, had to shoulder a big load during a three and four something like that. Like they, they, how, how did Mark put it? Um, um, not actively trying to find ways to lose or whatever he said, but, um, it was, it, they, they, uh, they, there were plenty of stretches last year where they weren't, they weren't trying. And I just feel that there's plenty of evidence now that they are going to be trying to win. Um, they, they want, to teach these guys how to win. And the only way to do that is to be in competitive environments, competitive games, competitive atmospheres. 
And they're going to want to do that. I think the only time that a soft tank will come into play might be late in the season. As, as we discussed earlier, like if they're way out of playoff contention and the goal is to get to the summer healthy so yep. that their guys can get in the gym right away, get to work. Um, you know, they're going to try to prioritize that. They're going to try to ease the burden for a lot of these guys. But I also just want to be like, I want to be clear on something when you look at what the Spurs did this summer, which was take a relatively, you know, they, they did not take an aggressive approach over the off season. They brought in a couple of guys that they liked that they, they thought fit well, but for the most part, like they went and brought their own guys back because they want to figure out what this is all about, but yeah. they weren't aggressive to the point where if you're, if you're talking to that front office, like they don't have title expectations this year. Right. Like maybe the players are going to go out and try like hell to, 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 you know, make the playoffs go as deep as they can. But like, realistically speaking, you know, the people in that building know what this team, this current team is capable of. So it's not like you're going to see them go balls to the wall to get every single win. Like they're gonna right. keep health in mind. They're going to, make sure that these guys that they're responsible with these guys while at the same time like if they're competing if they're in competitive games like they're going to let them go win those games they're not going to yeah. they're going to play them they're going to they're not going to unless of course they're hurt like guys aren't going to sit as often so i guess you could call that a potential soft tank toward the end of the season but as it stands now i i don't i would not put it that way i think they're going to come out here and they're going to try to win basketball games. I also think, unlike this past year, where landing the number one pick in the draft, and even um, depending on your opinion of Scoot Henderson, and mine is very, my opinion of him is very high. Like getting the first pick in the draft was a very big deal. Getting the second pick, or, well, Scoot was third, but whatever. <laughs> right. right. Um, but but getting a top two or three pick in the draft was was still huge. Yeah. This year, like the way things are looking so far, like I'm sure a bunch of teams are going to have their draft boards are going to be all over the place. One team's fifth or sixth best prospect might be their first or second best prospect. And like, yeah. I think, I think it's still fair to say that the Spurs are going to have a top 10 pick for sure, probably a top five pick. And they are not going to have to try just because of how loaded the NBA is right now. Yeah. Make no freaking mistake about it. The, there is a reason why the Spurs went all in on the tank yeah. last year. There is one reason they did that. And it is, and he is now on their team. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's the only reason they went all in on the tank last year. Mm -hmm. I don't even, I, I don't even know, you know, if there wasn't a Victor Wembanyama draft coming up, I'm not even sure they would have traded DeJounte Murray. Like I think yeah. that they may have just kept playing, um, but it was an opportunity they had to take advantage of they they knew they knew the troubles ahead and i don't know that for sure i, I don't that's not me like reporting anything or anything like that but um i don't think they would have gone all the way in on a tank if victor Wembanyama uh was not in that draft class like let's yeah. say it was this upcoming draft class i don't think they would have done it um so yeah, just be be real clear. The reason they went so hard to get that number one spot is because of the guy who is currently on their team, and now they don't have to they don't have to worry about that anymore. So, anyway, 
it's been fun as always, Trevor. Um, really looking forward to the, I mean, we got rockets coming up. Um, yes. a whole lot of, a whole lot of trash talk. New rivalries being and rivalries renewed. Over. Do what? Rivalries renewed. I was looking what? for the tagline. Rivalry, rivalries renewed. Rivalries reignited. Um, reignited. So, I mean, it's just, it's very exciting. This is the stuff the NBA is made out of. And, and it's great because they, these were, you know, these were once big time rivalries that have kind of lingered in the back of fans' minds for a long time. But like these were actual on court rivalries. And now uh, between the Thunder and the Rockets, you have these teams that are on, you know, similar timelines. They're all young and competitive. Um, now you know now Ime is coaching the Rockets, which is going to take them up a notch. Not to mention the, pres- the presence of like Dylan Brooks, um, adding Fred Van- uh, Fred Van Vliet. Like the Rockets, you talk about another Western Conference team that's going to be better. They're going to be better. Um, we saw the the you know the reaction Jabari Smith Jr.'s reaction to Wembenyama's televised reaction when he when the Rockets went. What did they go third? Fourth. Yeah. Oh, fourth. That's right. Oh my god. That's right. Um. So there, there's a, there are a lot of uh, subplots here between, yeah. just like there were between Spurs Thunder. There are a lot of subplots here between Spurs Rockets, and I and I love that the NBA is giving us these sort of teasers prior to the regular season. It's great. It's, just, it's, it's really good stuff. Yeah. All right. Appreciate it again, uh, Trevor. Please, folks. I have. Never ask this. I always forget to. Um, but it would be awesome if you could, um, if you don't already subscribe to this podcast, please do do so. Also, rate, review. I think if you do those things, like it pops a little more on the Spotify it or Apple algorithms. It, it does give you a boost. That is okay. my understanding of these things. It gives you a boost. <laughs> okay. Well, that would be great. Um, if people do so feel inclined, uh, I would be very appreciative. But if not, I appreciate you listening anyway. We will be back with you. Um, I think the Spurs play Monday and Wednesday of next week. So I think that's right. I will try to get get with Bruno and record on Tuesday. That will be the goal. So until and unless we pop in with something sooner, I have no idea. But at this point, that's the goal. So we will see y'all next time. I hope that <laughs> I hope you're ready for. Uh, a skeleton crew of the Miami <laughs> heat in Friday. I don't think people will care though, because it's Wembenyama's first actual home game, like oh, non scrimmage home, game. home He's playing game. for sure then. Okay. He's, so, so it, I mean, I'm wondering if the, if the new, the new frost bank center is going yeah. to be uh, sold out on Friday for a preseason game. That would be pretty incredible, but I, I kind of, think it might be everyone wants to watch this kid play play basketball so screw your kids high school football teams oh it's go it's see when football night that's right go oh, see maybe Wimby. not man maybe not well anyway we'll see thanks again trevor this has been small market small market bias brought to you by bet online see y'all next time You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.